As Pastor Tam said, my name is Steve Miles. Um, my wife and I have been at this church for quite some time, so very nice to see you all here this morning. Um, so we've been in Ephesians of how many of you have sort of been here for the last, what has it been, a month and a half, right? What an incredible book. I love it. When Pastor James, well, I got actually an email saying, hey, you're on preaching on this. And I'm like, yes, Ephesians. What a fantastic book. And um, it's always rung really true with me because a lot of Ephesians is about our identity in Christ, who we are, what we do, and how we move as the body. And, and that is a passion of mine. I was talking with my daughter this morning on the way in and just going, so yeah, I'm just, I'm doing this and I'll open it up and, and talk a bit about Ephesians and um, mention that it's about identity. And she's like, oh, just get up and say, oh, I love identity because I talk with her all the time, right? What matters, especially growing up, here's what God made you to be. Here's who you are, right? So it's an awesome book. Awesome book. I love it. So let's start. Um, I don't know if you heard Pastor James, probably last week, probably every week, mentioned that just grab the book, uh, read right through all in one sitting, have a listen to how Paul talks, listen to his, um, his tone, what he's talking about, because, what, 10, 15 minutes to get through, maybe five pages long, depending on your version, um, but it's really incredible. There's so, so much to unpack here, so I think that's why we're spending, what, two months on it all, or more. Um, so yeah, anyway, I love it. It's a very exciting book, one of my favorites. So we'll start at the beginning. First verse of Ephesians said, um, as a prisoner of the Lord, I then urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, which really sets up exactly what Paul wants to talk about. So the calling we've received as the church is to represent Christ. Yeah. It's to grow as a body. It's to learn and be equipped and do the work that God's given us to do. So that's, he's saying, look, live a life like this. And throughout Ephesians, he unpacks what that's like. So he's reminding um, the church and spends quite a bit of time talking about this. So in Ephesians uh, 4.13, he says, uh, until we reach the unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature. So, if you hear nothing else, here's my one point that I'm going to try and make today. Unless we learn to work together in unity, we will not mature. Right? Unless we learn to work together in unity, we won't mature. And that's what Paul's saying here. Until we reach the unity in the faith and knowledge of God and become mature. So we'll learn a little bit on our own, right? But we're not going to actually grow and really mature like he wants us to unless we're united. And again, that's a large percentage of what Ephesians is talking about. So you might be familiar with uh, Ephesians 6. We probably hear it a lot in Sunday school because it's really fun, right? Your sword and the shield, it's all about the armor of God. And he talks about the armor and there's heaps of application. Again, we could probably spend another couple months on that part of it. Um, And the kids get to wear swords and shields and Goliath is usually in there somewhere. But before we get to Ephesians 6, which is the armor and how we do battle, we have to get through Ephesians 1 to 5, right? Because it's no good. In fact, even in Ephesians 6, right before he talks about the armor, he says, finally, therefore, this, that, and the other thing. So here's all of this, and let me now get here. So all of this has to come first. 
So we've got Ephesians uh, 1 and 2, which Pastor James has unpacked for us for a while, which talks a whole lot about our identity. This is who you are in Christ. This is who he's made you to be. This is who I'm asking you to be as Christians. This is what you're supposed to do. That's what he says right in the beginning. Live a life worthy, right? And then he prays for us because that's very important. And I'm grateful to read that prayer regularly in Ephesians 3. And that's when we get to Ephesians 4 where he says, all right, here's, here's all the stuff. Here's all of the sort of identity things. Now that you know who you are, you begin this relationship as the church, right? And we, we join together. So um, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I loved the uh, song we were singing. And that maybe remind me of the phrase was talking about um, to being united in peace. Uh, the lyrics slipped me. Anyway, listen to the songs again. Um, but again, it's, it's talking about how this is how we're united, is in peace. So he starts by mentioning a lot of attributes, which are all uh, fruits of the Spirit as well, um, which is what we require in each other and in ourselves in order to build this unity. So it's almost relationship advice, if you like. So he talks about being humble, gentle, patient, loving, peaceful. Uh, I like actually the King James Version. When I was growing up as a kid, we were always memorizing King James. I don't know if it was just my dad's uh, sense of, of poetry or whatever, so I still like it. But a lot of the King James Version says uh, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance. Right? These are all the attributes that we need in order to build the unity in the body. So humble, I mean, anyone who's ever been in any relationship, it takes humility, right? If you come into a relationship proud, the Bible even says in 1 Corinthians, God resists the proud. There's no way to have a relationship with pride. There's no unity in pride. Um, then the more humble our attitude is, the greater our unity will be. And from there, we can mature as a body and individually. Um, gentle and meek, right? Gentle answer turns away wrath, Proverbs said. Can you be uh, aggressive in a relationship and have unity? Of course not. Of course not. We need gentle and meek, uh, patient, long-suffering. Again, these are all attributes required for our unity. Loving. Um, Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples. Right? We need to, and again, these are, just what, these are the things it takes to have any relationship, and especially in the body of Christ as we're a family. Um, peaceful. In verse 3, Paul actually calls it the bond of peace. Right? Not only something that keeps us united, but something that actually binds us together. Because when we're in peace, it's not just a, a calm and a, a friendly sort of thing, because there is there's conflict and there's discussion, there's disagreement, whatever, in any relationship. But the peace that we have together binds us together. So let's move on. Ephesians 4, verse 4 to 6. Um, Paul talks about there is one body, again, all unity, one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. So we see a a fairly consistent uh, pattern here, I think seven times in that chunk, Paul saying one, right? We are, we're one body, we're one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. He's, He's hammering this point home. There is just one. And I think a lot of the distractions that we can get into, a lot of the, um, the things that we waste our energy on are addressed just in this little chunk here. One body, not the brides of Christ, yeah. right? We're not this church here and that church here and I'll, I'll leave this bit here and whatever. It's one body, one spirit. There's not divination and there's not a, a this and I feel, you know, going to know myself. And No, no, there's one spirit, only one. Only one that we follow. No other guide in our life except this one spirit. One hope. Colossians uh, speaks about the glorious riches of this ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And again, he's the only thing that we place our hope in. I don't hope to get resurrected as a something better. I don't hope for a, a second life. I don't hope for that I'm really good and win enough points to get in. I have one hope. Christ and him crucified, that's it. That's all we have, one hope. One Lord. Who's the Lord of your life, right? We, I mean, we've preached this probably a dozen. You can't follow money and God. You can't follow two things. There's one, one Lord. This is the only way that we can move forwards, right? Uh, one faith, faith, faith in Christ. That's, that's our way to heaven. Not goodness, not anything else. Nothing that we do, it's one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We die to ourselves and are raised in Christ again. No two paths. Again, one God, right? So the, um, let's jump down to verse 11 where Paul's talking about some of the practical applications of our united body. And again, he's, he's hammered home one, just, just one, just one. There is only one way. And then he talks a little bit about how we move in that unity. All right, so he's talking about the attitudes that we have, the fruits of the Spirit. And then in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, he says, So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So this section here, we often talk about the fivefold ministry, right? The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Um, these are some of the fundamental uh, principles or ways of operating, ministries that we work out of in the church. And again, it's super important that all of these move together in unity, right? We, can't ha- we need to have all of these aspects at work in the church, and we have different people who have these gifts and people who have these gifts. And Pastor James can't be all five of these things all of the time for all of us. That's why it's a body. He's given some this, some that, right? Um, so it's important that we have these aspects and we recognize which ones are ours, right? God's given you gifts. And again, if we look back in Ephesians 1 and 2, he talks a lot about finding our identity and moving in, in who we are. So you find out what your gifts are and then you serve and you worship God. And there is incredible fulfillment when you're using what God's given you, um, I've spoken with my son a little bit about, 
here's how, here's who God's made you. Again, it's all identities, right? If God's um, made a car to be fast and he's made a tractor to be strong, if a race car goes onto a field and tries to plow it, it just doesn't work, right? It's destroyed. And have you ever been stuck behind a tractor on, on the road? They're slow. They don't go fast, but I've never been stuck behind a, a race car, right? So there are these sections that, that talk about you've got to find out what your gift is. You've got to move in the gifting that God's given you, and suddenly you're fulfilled. Race cars are awesome on a racetrack, and tractors are powerful digging and plowing and pushing, but try and get them to do the wrong thing, and they're not fulfilled. I'm going to personify them a little. They don't feel like they fit there, because they don't. So God's given you gifts. It's important you find out what they are. So Ephesians uh, 1, 17 to 19, Paul says that we need to come to know what God's called us to be. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 13 to 16. Again, this is my, uh, my one point. Until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ... So maybe I'll I'll change it just a little bit and say only when we walk together in unity can we reach maturity, right? That's the only way that we actually mature is when we're walking together in unity. You can learn a little bit and you can be good on your own. Um, Have How many of you sort of entered into a relationship, right? And suddenly you found, oh, I've got all of these rough edges, right? Um, Spouse, a close friend, work colleague, siblings, they rub up against you and show you where all your weak bits are, right? But as you grow in this, as you grow as a unit together, as you grow in this relationship, you actually reach maturity and you either deal with these things or you don't and fall off. But if you want to stay in this relationship, you need to grow and you must grow and you do grow. So verse 14, he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When we come to recognize what Paul says earlier, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, we can't be deceived by anything else. As I mentioned before, these address all of these distractions, all of these little things that we can can get tangled up in. I remember I was speaking with one guy, very clever, and he was asking all of these incredible questions about God and the Bible. And, you know, he wanted to understand everything before he moved into it. Anyway, he did eventually give his heart to the Lord um, after I actually said, you know, pray and God will show you. And he said, yeah, he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped showing me, wow. right? So he, he gave his heart to the Lord. And then I, I met up with him a couple of months later, and he was talking about the spear of destiny which was the spear that pierced Christ's side, and I've been reading about this and, and all of these things. And um, I'm like, Pete, mate, this, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. One God, yeah. right? One faith, yeah. one hope, one spirit, one body. You are way down a rabbit. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, no, that's, that's fair enough. Right? But it, it all comes back to this. Yeah. This protects us from all of the distractions, really all of the crazy things that we might be drawn into and give our energy and attention and time to all addressed in this one little verse. Verse 15, he says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect 
the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I had to look this one up. Warren Wiresby said, truth without love is brutality and love without truth is hypocrisy, which is a very strong uh, statement. I've heard it said, um, truth without love is mean and love without truth is meaningless. You go, if I'm going to speak the truth to someone, sorry, I'm looking over here. If I'm going to speak the truth to someone and there's something that, that's going on and I just say, hey, this is, this is how it is, and I say something and I don't care about Ben, yeah. that comes across pretty harsh. Or if there is an area that Ben and I are close and he's my friend and I see this thing that he maybe doesn't see, a blind spot that he's got, and I come and go, well, it's all right. It's just, I'll just love him and it doesn't matter. Mm, that's not actually loving him at all. Yeah. But when I love Ben... When I speak the truth to Ben, and I go, hey, Ben, look, you know, I care about you, and, this is, and I, I see this, and I appreciate that we're close enough, you let me speak into your life. I'm just wondering if there's some adjustment or a blind spot here, right? The truth in love is because I'm coming and approaching him because I want him to be built up. Yeah, and that's, again, another aspect of the unity in Christ. That's another aspect of the relationships that we have. This is how we build up and work together, yeah. is truth and love. Um, do we want to reach unity in the faith? We must operate both in truth and in love. So verse 16 um, says, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and build itself up in love as each part does its work. I think this last verse is probably a, a culmination of everything that Paul's been saying. I'll read it again, actually. It says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as I sort of finish off here this morning, this one bit here in, in Ephesians, it's saying what he's trying to say the whole way through. It's a kind of expanding on it, saying, look, this is the result. This is what we're going to get if we move in this way. This is how we grow. This is how we become an effective community. This is how we actually learn to function in our gifts. And it's once we build this unity that we can operate in the gifts. That's when we put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil. Because a scattered army is not going right. to stand. And Christy bought one of my swords in a couple of weeks ago. Right? It's a Roman short sword. It's, it's quite short. And... They basically conquered the known world at the time with that because they'd learned how to work as a unit. Yeah. They would train every day whether they were at war or not. They would have their sword strapped to their side all day long, whether they were marching or in formation or anything. And when they fought together, the only way that it worked, because everyone else had longer swords, right? So if you went and fought one-on-one -on -one with a short sword, you weren't going to win. He's got a longer reach and you, you lose. But if you're side by side... He can't break the unified row, and they would charge in, and they would attack with their short sword, and literally took over everyone, barely lost a battle, because they had learned what Paul's talking about here. If we work together in unity, then we can put on the armor. Then we can move forward. Then we can take ground. Then we can be effective. So only, again, my one point, if you write only one thing, only when we learn to walk together in unity can we be really mature. So that's what I'm going to close with. Can I pray for you? 
Father God, we thank you for, for the body, for what you've made it to be, for the incredible imagery, all of the pictures that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for Paul's teaching about how to actually move and act. We thank you for this incredible letter that we, um, that we share amongst the churches that tells us what we need to do in order to be united. Lord, we thank you for the rest of the book as it talks about advancing your kingdom. But Father, we pray today the things that are not united, the things where we're uh, immature, the things where we're not actually um, moving with the body, the, the areas where we don't know who you've called us to be. Lord, would you show those to us? Lord, would you make us a united body? Would you let other people knock off the rough bits so that we can actually grow and mature and be the body that you've called us to be? The one church, the one bride of Christ who follows the one Lord. And Father, I pray that you will just remind us as we go through our weeks this week, Lord, that we need to be united, that we're designed, that we're built to be in unity with your body. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. That's wonderful.